Mark Azoulay is an industry leader in psychotherapy and men's mental health. He's helped countless guys get back on their feet, deepen their relationships, and excel in their lives. Now he's taken all that he has learned and is sharing it with you. In each episode, Mark will interview an expert in the field of masculinity and men's work. We'll cover topics such as emotional intelligence, masculine identity, anger management, financial health, trauma recovery, marriage and divorce, ethics, and spirituality. Tune in and become a better man. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Mark Adelaide. And I'm here with Joe Bouchard. He is a PhD student studying psychology and the host of the From Nowhere to Nothing podcast, which is a philosophy podcast that dives into basically any topic imaginable you could think of. Um, and we're going to talk today about some of the philosophical roots of masculinity as a construct and what it might mean to you, um, what it means to Joel, and what it means to me. So, Joel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So before we dive into kind of the philosophical discussion, I'm curious a little bit about, about you. How did you get into this work? What's been your journey with masculinity? I know you were a veteran. Um, what are some things you can let our listeners know about who they're talking to? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, you know, a, a long story. Um, you know, I've done a lot of different things in life from, uh, yeah, being in the military to music to um, painting and, and uh, you know, leading a, a business and podcasting and um, school and, and pretty much anything, right? I'm always trying to be a, uh, a new at something, right? And I think that that's uh, an important element of, of growth is is uh, being able to um, move outside your comfort zones and, and be willing to struggle and fail with some new things. But, uh, you know, as far as masculinity goes, I think that um, everybody's journey is complicated with it, right? Because I think a lot of our first um, sort of interactions with the concept are um, toxic in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's overwhelmingly... Um, in the wild, more likely to encounter a, a negative masculine stereotype than than a positive one in a lot of ways. But yeah, I think that's true, right? And I I think a lot of boys, when we're young, we know we're not men. So our first encounter is like, oh, I'm not this yet, and maybe I want to be this, maybe I don't. But there is a very clear difference, right, between a boy's experience and a grown man's experience. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a sort of an inferiority complex built yeah. into it. Um, no matter how good your upbringing, right? I had a, I had a dad who was, uh, you know, just a model uh, dad. You know, just great. Um, you know, he's a, a church pastor and um, was really an emotionally caring guy and stuff. But, but still, you know, he, him, and I had very different personalities. You know, he was very emotional um, and and very outspoken and. Um, you know, very, he was, he was a masculine guy, right? He liked to work out. He liked to be competitive, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, by nature, I'm, I'm kind of introverted and, and kind of quiet and I like to keep to myself and I'd much rather, you know, do something by myself or collaborate versus, you know, compete. And so, yeah, growing up with that, with, uh, you know, a father figure that, that has some of those sort of, um, you know, I, uh, you know, typical masculine traits. And then you trying to, to find your own way inside of that is a little bit difficult. Yeah. I'm curious. Did the two of you find a way to connect? Was there a bridge? We did eventually. Um, and it, it was when, um, 
you know, throughout throughout my whole childhood, right? It was the kind of thing. I was a middle child too, so my brother and my sister were much like my dad, very emotional, very outspoken, and and the way that the family sort of operated, right, was they would they would fight very loud, mm-hmm. and then they'd make up, right, and they they get very emotionally close. Um, whereas um, I never wanted to fight, so it was all avoidance. But then there was also this uh, distance, an emotional distance between us, right? And um, but eventually, in my teenage years. Um, my dad came to work for me at my at the business that I manage, and um, from there we got a little bit closer. And uh, he died a couple of years ago from from a rare form of cancer. And um, you know, you think about oh, you know, for a while I was thinking, man, do I regret the relationship that dad that dad and I missed out on when I was younger, right? And what I came to realize is that not really, right? Because in those final years, what I realized is the the relationship that we did have was one that worked for both of us, right? We we started to figure it out that, you know, hey, um, just because I don't fight or or show my emotions on my sleeve doesn't doesn't mean that uh, I don't love him, and uh, you know, just because you know he has a propensity to do those things doesn't mean that we can't have a relationship that was was to unique to who we were as two um individual people as opposed to what a a father son or any other type of relationship is supposed to be you know totally yeah and i think it's it's inspiring right because it sounds like you were able to make that adult relationship where i think a lot of guys are stuck in that kind of submissive you know childlike role where either they play their father's game right or they are separate Right, because we're just trying to fit in with our parent parental figure. Um, but it sounds like you guys were able to, at least towards the end, there evolve your relationship into something that was more equitable. Yeah, yeah, and there was, like I said, there was a lot of trouble in in the meantime, right? Because mm-hmm. I think there were some things where, you know, I you overcompensate during your teenage years, right? So coming to the realization, right, that I'm an introvert, and uh, you know these sorts of things, you start to think, well, I'm going to make up for it, right? You become hyper competitive mm-hmm. and. And you decide you're going to join the army, and you start you start um, doing uh, things that are that are toxic, toxic, right? That fall into that toxic masculine um, sort of category. And you know, some of them are things that you know I could tell stories of, and people would be like, "Oh, wow, that's really cool," you know. Um, but it wasn't right. You, when you think about the psychological toll. Uh, that it took, you know, and, and how you had to recover from it and how you had to um, adjust, you go, you know, these stories that um, might, uh, you know, would be similar to things that would grace a, a film screen or a, a novel or something that people sort of idealize. It's uh, it's not really all that, um, all that healthy in reality. Yeah, I'm curious about your internal experience of that. And I'm drawing some connections. In my story, I didn't join the army, but I was a drug addict, right? I did a lot of like partying and drug dealing. I, I did that kind of version of toxic masculinity of, I was also a very quiet kid, you know, didn't feel like I fit in. I want to reinvent myself. And I would just couldn't say no to anything. So I would just go into all these situations that were dangerous or scary or way out of my depth. And I just could not back down. You know, um, and again, some of those stories are like, you know, whatever, you know, war stories or bragging or like cool, wild experiences. But ultimately, I was I was scared almost all the time. And I felt like a, even more of an imposter than I did because I feel like I didn't want to be myself, but I also couldn't be I couldn't maintain this character that I had created. So I'm curious if there are similarities uh, with you in your young adulthood. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it runs the gamut, you know, across experiences. But that is what it boils down to, right? Is it doesn't matter if you are an outspoken guy or an introverted guy or any of those types of things. Um, when you get to be in those teenage years and you have a peer group and things, um, you do get to that point where um, saying no seems like an existential threat. And so you go along, you either go along with things um, that you that you don't actually support and and you're afraid or you you overreach and you try to accomplish things um that that don't mean anything to you or or might even be dangerous or unhealthy you know so yeah no it definitely resonates yeah you know kind of like building a facade character structure right this idea of who you think you should be or other men think you should be um at least for me that that competition thing was always there of like wanting to belong to this you know group of men out there to be an adult to be successful to be i don't know have a girlfriend right like all these kind of like markers but um for me it was always like uh it was like cosplaying right i was like larping a man right just based on what i saw from the external view rather than doing a lot of the internal work it, it didn't take me and it was until my late 20s that i really started doing more of the internal work um i'm curious what your journey was with that yeah no it, it's it's pretty interesting i would say mid-20s was when i started to turn some things around and and mm-hmm. the the sort of um ironic part about that right is that you grow up wanting to be a man and, and doing all these things and then when you finally give that up you know and just are open to um you know genuinely hey who do i want to be what do i want to be mm-hmm. like that's when all the personal growth starts and all the cool stuff starts. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's where now, you know, you do the things if, if you would have told my teenage self, right. Oh, Hey, you'll, you'll have a podcast, you know, of albums online, you'll join the army. You would have done all this stuff. I'd say, you know, wow. Like, okay. So I, I do grow up to be a man. Right. But none of that stuff was done for that reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, after the fact, it all came from a place of, of growth and, and, and from a mindset where now I don't feel like, um, you know, I, I haven't done any of that to, for anybody else. And I, I don't force it down people's throat. A lot of people, I call myself the world's worst marketer, right? Most people don't know that I have a podcast drive albums, right? Unless it comes up. Um, Mm -hmm. but just because if, if you're doing something because you, you love it and you want to do it, um, then it carries on. Right. And if you do it just because it's something you feel obligated to do because of your gender or for any other reason, Mm -hmm. it's, it's doomed to failure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of what I see as a pillar of being an adult, right. And certainly being adult male is having an honor code, you know, having a set of values that you carry with you into any circumstance, right. Or having a passion or a life mission statement or people have a thousand words for this thing. I'm curious if you've put thought or, or what yours is, do you have a value set or a mission statement or an internal compass of a sort? Yeah. I've been asked this a lot of times and, and I get some some people don't like my answer, right? Uh, but but I'm a philosopher, right? So I, I I do think very deeply about things, and basically what it boils down to is one thing, right? And the one thing that I always stand by is that I'm always willing to change, right? So um, a lot of people say, well, what are your well, what are your core values? You know, what what are the things that never change? I go, no, that's that's my whole point is I always want to be open to change, right? I never want to not question um, the things that, that make me who I am because that's what, you've, what, we were, what we've been talking about is what I found out early in my life is the things that I thought made me who I am 
um, were misguided and they were being, you know, led astray by gender stereotypes or by other, um, you know, familial conflicts and that sort of thing. Right. So um, as we're all on this journey to um, of self-growth, I think that it's important to always be willing to to reflect on what your guiding principles are and if they're still working for you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really great. Very, very Buddhist of you. We were chatting a little bit about Buddhism uh, in the pre-show. Uh, I guess I want to ask, I can say like, how do you do that? But I think the answer is like therapy, introspection, reading, talking to people, right? So I guess a little more personal, what has that process been like for you of change, right? And introspection and evolution is ultimately what I'm, what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it looked pretty bad starting in, in late, my late teens, right. Um, there's just a series of, um, things where, where stuff goes downhill, right. If you're in this mindset of constant competition and constantly pushing the envelope, um, and doing that sort of thing, eventually you fail and usually it's spectacularly right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, some situations where it was several times in a row, right. And it just was crushing, and um, then you you have this experience with dem- depression and anxiety and, and questioning who you are and what you're doing and those sorts of things. And uh, you know that unfortunately lasts lasted years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know I I don't really know what it was that started to pull me out of it, but I just remember you know kind of working this dead end job and looking into my lunch and seeing you know, like two little Debbie snacks and two bags of like chips and being like, I'm a full grown man. Like what, what am I eating? Mm -hmm. Like I've got to change something. Mm -hmm. And so it started there, you know, and I started just eating, eating healthy stuff that I, that I knew I could stick with. Hey, I like cucumbers. Hey, I like carrots. Hey, I like apples, you know, and in building a healthy diet and, you know, I've always worked out. So, you know, um, but again, it was all focused around, you know, weight training. Right. So I had a a lot of shoulder injuries and things that just from doing things the wrong way. So I I revamped things, right. Okay. Well, I'm going to focus on cardio and flexibility and strength and find a way to do it. So that's sustainable and healthy. And, um, you know, really kind of putting some effort into my, my job and into my relationships and, um, you know, making a, making concerted effort to, um, take control of, of your life. And that always happens in the the present moment. Right. And so, you know, you can't really dwell on what happened before or worry about what's going to happen later. At some point, you just have to look at what's going on now and what can I change as a, a step to becoming who I want to be next. Yeah. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. You know, I, the way that I hear it, there's um, a men's writer, Iron John, um, is, uh, the author is Robert Bly of the books, Iron John, John. And he talks about this ashes phase, right? Where guys have to just like go all the way down to just being a pile of ashes and being burnt and just being crisp. Right. And what gets people out of it is exactly what you talked about, right? It's humility. It's actually being like, shit, I'm in the ashes, right? I'm just like a charred body, you know, tossed aside. And I think for a lot of young men, humility is really hard for us, right? It's hard for me to admit like, yeah, I actually eat, I actually do eat like shit. I actually am not that physically strong. I actually like don't have a girlfriend and that's okay. It just means that this is the foundation that I'm working from. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of young men are arrogant, right? We just want to front and we want to put forward that way we got everything figured out. So I'm hearing from your story that that humility was a real big factor of looking at that, you know, the little Debbie snacks and being like, okay, you know, this sucks. This is where I'm at. No shame, no guilt. Like let's start moving forward. 
Yeah, and that really was the big revelation, right? Was this was this uh, you know realization that that being humble and and failing wasn't this this thing that I should be running away from. It was a yeah. thing that I should be running towards, right? And that's what I've been doing ever since, right? Um, buying a three D printer and just failing over and over again until you really figure out how to use the thing, right? And uh, it, that's stemmed from music too, right? With music, there's always this competition between musicians. Well, what it boils down to is music is art, right? Everybody loves all kinds of different stuff. It's a subjective thing. There's no objective measure of what makes good music, right? There's technically good musicians. There's creatively good musicians. So rather than, than thinking about this as a competition, you know, think about it as, as something that's enriching your life. And so what you can or can't accomplish technically or what you fail at versus what you succeed at. Um, these are just all terms that are ultimately meaningless for the overall experience of what you're trying to do. And that transcends music into life as a whole as well. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, to kind of piggyback off your idea of growth and change, you know, you should be listeners out there like failing like 25, 30% of the time, right? Like that means you're on your edge. If you're, if you're winning every time, then your life is a little bit too easy easy and you're not growing. And if you're failing, you know, 50% or more, then your life's probably a little bit too hard. You need to, you need to scale it back a little bit. Right. But like you should be failing somewhat regularly because that's how, that's how we grow. Right. Is failing forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's just, that's where I'm at now. And that's what, what gets you into all the different hobbies and all the different adventures that, um, end up making your life. What it is, is being willing to take that step, um, not for pride's sake, not for ego's sake and not with some fear of failure, but, but for, for the, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to grow and, uh, in whatever form that might take, sometimes you have to learn the lesson by, by failing. And sometimes you, you succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really great message. I mean, one of my uh, core values, right, to go back to that is this idea of uh, mastery, right? Which is like getting good at something, like literally anything, like it doesn't actually matter, right? I think as Tati Matsalina is like, oh, it has to be sports or weightlifting or money or women, right? But it's like, it doesn't matter. Just, just get good at something because I think the process of seeking mastery, you learn a lot. You have to learn a lot about yourself. You have to learn discipline. You have to learn practice. You have to learn to be humble. You have to learn how to learn. You know, there's so much involved in just growing skills, building building hobbies and just trying to improve um, by whatever dimension required. So um, I love you talking about that. Um, We're going to go to our first commercial break. When we come back, we'll dive more into philosophical roots of masculinity, talk about, you know, things like gender binary, masculine and feminine energies. I'm curious your thoughts around some of those things, especially how they've evolved um, throughout, you know, decades and centuries. So if you're listening, hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. 
a man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 866 472 5791. That's 866 472 5791. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Joel Bouchard, um, musician, podcast host of the From Nowhere to Nothing podcast. And we're talking about, we always talk about on the show, masculinity, right? Um, so, Joel, when we left off, we were talking about some of the toxic forms of masculinity, which the way I kind of view that is it's masculinity that is all external focused. I think we were talking about that. It's like that kind of cosplay LARP thing. It's not rooted in any kind of set of values. It's more about trying to project masculinity, right? And often keeping like gatekeeping people, right? There's bullying, there's being a tyrant, there's like this dominance thing that, that shows up. But a lot of the guys that live in that are often very insecure and kind of empty on the inside. So you were sharing a little bit how your story was moving from that into a more internal locus of control, a more internal focus. And especially through this idea of learning new things, being open-minded, introspection, um, being open to change, which I think is phenomenal. And I think it makes masculinity masculinity a more fluid concept uh, and a more evolved concept so to bring to bring you back into the conversation i'm curious what do you think the modern version of masculinity is or 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 will be like where are we moving towards as a gender yeah it's interesting right because um you know so much has happened in the since the the dawn of the 21st century right and so when we talk a lot about toxic masculinity in the last segment um you know, you go, well, if what isn't toxic masculinity, right? If we, if, if we take away all the tax, the stuff that's toxic, do you just end up with somebody who's a good person? And then does that good person have to be masculine or can it just be anybody? Does masculinity lose any sense of meaning? Right. And I think that we're seeing that, um, in, in modern, um, uh, you know, sort of pop culture, um, this, the, the gender fluid kind of way that we're heading, um, is it all, is it all just a construct, right? Is there anything that, um, can be actually objectively thought of as, as being masculine? And that's a fascinating question to me. And I don't pretend to, to know the answer. And, um, that in itself is something that a lot of people, 
um, have a hard time accepting, right? We want to know. And as a philosopher, um, I'm open to saying that I almost never know, right? I have, and a scientist, right? A lot of people don't know that about science, but, but science never proves anything, right? All science does is collect evidence to support a certain hypothesis, but at any given time, any hypothesis can be disproven, and most of them are eventually. So there's a lot of uncertainty in science, in philosophy, and, and in masculinity, right? So does masculinity exist as a concept? Um, I think so. Uh, and, and this comes from psychology, right? You can, you can look at psychological experiments, um, imaging studies of, of the brain and, and this sort of thing. And you can actually watch men and women's brains work differently. Um, math is a good example. Um, men are not better at math. Men and women are both equally good, but but they use different brain pathways to solve math problems. Women use a lot more prefrontal cortex, whereas men use a lot more parietal lobe. Um, so I think that there is, you know, there's structural and there's functional differences in the way that men and women's brains work. Um, and I think that at the bare minimum, that level uh, could be seen as as providing some support for the idea that that masculinity is uh, a separate um, construct or sort of topic. Now, masculinity is a behavioral um, thing versus a um, structural uh, thing in the brain, but I think that there's some overlap in how how it presents itself, right? And so. You know, it's it's just uh, how what does that look like? You know, it's 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 hard to say, but I think that what it boils down to is there's a lot more that has to do with um, internal strength of character versus external posturing, and um, how that's demonstrated is in some ways um, div- uh, contradictory to um, toxic masculinity, right? Um, I know that. For me, you know, lots of times the hardest thing to do is to forgive somebody or to step up in somebody's absence, right, at at work, you know, rather than calling somebody out or or doing something, you know, rash. It takes a lot more strength to to hold your tongue and to just step up and and do what needs to be done to accomplish a goal. Um, So, yeah, I think that there's I think there's a few different ways that that it that it separates. But ultimately, you know, I think it's still an open question what what it what it means and what it's heading towards. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, the gender space is is on fire right now, right? I mean, there's so much conversation around gender fluidity and queering of everything, right? And things just all blending. And it's it is a complicated question, right? Because I just to kind of you know reiterate what you're saying, right? I think there are. I agree with you. I think there are significant sex differences. Right of like men and women are different, physiologically different in some ways. I agree with you. One's not better than another. I think we both need each other. I think we both complement each other really well. But yeah, there's certainly neurological differences. There's certainly physiological differences. There's bone structure differences. There's there's organ differences. Right, like we don't have a uterus. You know, I mean, there's just like significant differences um, between the the sexes. Um, and masculinity has been very fluid throughout history, you know, but there, to me, there does seem to be some things that, how do I say this? Like, like gender has been so crucial in so many cultures, right? Like many languages are gendered, right? There's female and male words, 
you know, there's, there's female where suffixes, you know, like there are female and male, um, you know, spaces, right. It, it's, there's, there's, you know, creation myths that involve a binary and a duality. You know, this, this, this idea of a duality has always been in almost every, I think every culture, I don't know if there's a single one that has been as fluid as what, you know, Western and certainly American culture might be moving towards. Um, and it, and it makes me excited and also a little bit afraid that we might lose something, um, if we move away from some of these more traditional or ancient forms, um, you know, I'm always wary of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think it's worth evolving the definition of masculinity rather than just rejecting it, you know, which I see, I see happening out there sometimes. And I think a lot of young men, especially, you know, I work with a fair number of um, Gen Z clients and a lot of the men are very confused about what it means to be a man right now, more so than I, even I think I was as a millennial. Um, and a lot of, you know, being a straight white man or whatever, right, is like not cool uh, in Colorado, right, as a young kid. So they're, they end up like trying on different uh, identities and experimenting with different things and, and kind of moving away from being like the traditional thing. Um, so no, I mean, that's a bunch of words there, but, but I'm curious, like, yeah, I'm curious, like, do you see value in some of those traditional definitions? Is there any, is there any nuggets to be gleaned there? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I agree with what you said, which is that, um, you know, there's, there's an equality of, well, there's an equality of experience, right? Um, people's, people's internal experience is their reality. Um, and so we have to accept that for people who are gendered differently as well as people who are gendered um, traditionally, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's always going to be masculinity in, in the sense that there's always going to be you know, cisgendered men who identify as, as, as male. But I think that that also allows for some uh, evolution and, and progressiveness of the concept as well. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I, I, I think that, I think that you're right. I think that the traditional concepts, there is always going to be some there and that they're going to have some value. Um, and I think that, you know, what that looks like is, um, is, I, is strength ultimately. Right. And, but not, not necessarily strength in an external way it can be that, but, but more of an internal strength an internal, um, strength of character of understanding, um, of understanding who you are. And I think that's the biggest place that toxic masculinity gets it wrong, right? Is this sort of floundering around in, in strength of different types. Um, but, but there's no identification of who you are and there, the, the things that you're strong in aren't the things that are valued by society or ultimately even by yourself, you know? Yeah. Right. It's the idea of having, some sense of internal, like you said, an internal compass, internal consistency, right? Even if, like you said, your, your internal compass is to be open to change and be open-minded, right? And be pursuing, you know, new ideas. There is a consistency within that. I think there is something very masculine about being, and you go back to traditional metaphors, right? Being like a pillar, being a rock, you know, being dependable, being trustworthy, right? Being safe, you know, like a safe man is a consistent man, is a dependable man. You know, I think when a man becomes chaotic, right? And when we become, you know, we lie, right? Or we deceive or we manipulate, we can be very dangerous for society, for our families, for the women in our lives, you know, and, and women can, can sniff that out and men can sniff that out if there's a man that is inconsistent. Um, 
So I think there is some level of like trustworthiness that comes with the idea of masculinity because, you know, historically we, we would hold roles that require that. We would be guards, we would be hunters, we would be builders, we would be people that show up every day and try to get the shit done. Um, and we would need to show up every day. So I, I do think that discipline, especially in kind of the traditional sense, I think women have their own and feminine has their own version of discipline, but I think the traditional sense of discipline is very masculine of like, show up and do it, right? Show, yeah. show, show up for your life every day and whatever that may be, right? But show up every day. Yeah. And I was on a, a podcast this week with, it was a veterans podcast and, and the guy who was hosting it, you know, I mean, he's the man's man, right? Like he mm. was a special forces dude, you know, deployed six years and stuff, but a really cool guy. And one of the things we talked about was this gap between the old, the old guard and the new guard, right. Mm. And how, um, you know, this, this idea of, well, just have a stiff upper lip and, and just put up with it is unhealthy and is what is sort of at the root of the PTSD and suicide issues and, and sexual assault issues. And all these controversies and problems you see going on in the military sort of stem from that. Um, but also on the flip side, um, this problem with um, some of the younger generation, right. That we derogatorily label as, as being snowflakes um, and how, you know, he, people talk about the woke military, right. How, we're catering to these things and, and, and watering things down and realizing that, you know, there, that although it's put in negative terms like that, there is some reality to um, the fact that these things weaken resilience and you need resilience in soldiers, right? You need resilience in, in any aspect of life, but, but like you were saying, especially the ones traditionally ascribed male masculine roles, um, and that's exactly what you were just pointing out. Resilience is getting up every day and doing it. And, um, you know, the stiff upper lip thing, um, you know, so half of it is, is, is facing the issues, but the other half is finding out ways to deal with that. And I think yeah. that's the portion that was missing from sort of the traditional paradigm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Right. And I think like, that's a great example of the evolution of masculinity where it's being like, yes, I will get up and do it. But some days are going to be harder and I'm going to need self-care afterwards. I need to do recovery. I need to get back out there so that I can keep doing it, you know, so that I can keep the discipline and the resilience going. Whereas I think the toxic thing is just what you're saying is just being like, it doesn't affect me. I'm good. Everything's fine. Like deny, deny, deny until eventually, you know, the engine breaks down, right? And you go crazy or get injured or something there, right? So yeah. I think there is a, there's a more fluidity, but it's still keeping that oath and that vow and that commitment that we make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's right on, you know, and, um, and what that looks like is going to be different for different people, mm -hmm. but at, you know, in the end, everybody does need, does need that. Right. And, um, you know, it's, again, it varies from person to person. Uh, you, we see a lot of people in the military and because everybody has the same haircut and they wear the same uniform and they're all in the same shape, you think of them as being the same person, but uh, they're all people. They're just good. You know, there's, there's good people and bad people and there's creative people and there's, um, you know, just all types. And so, you know, figuring out what you need to do in order to, to deal with the things that you have to face is, is an important part of, 
of not just being a man, but being a, a healthy, well-rounded person. Yeah, just being a human, right? Just like, yeah. you know, what would I tell my guys? It's like, you know, really get to understand our user manual, right? Understand like who you are, what works for you, what doesn't. If you can understand that, then you can accomplish anything, you know? Um, and, it, and you know, back to your point earlier in your story, I think it includes, and it's critical to have no judgment with that right? Like you might require something that other guys don't for whatever reason, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to have that. It just means that you have to do it. You know, um, like for me, like, like I, I enjoy spas, right? Like I enjoy going to a spa, I enjoy getting pampered. I like, that is like very, very nourishing to me. And that's like a, you know, typically feminine, more feminine activity. Right. But if I like thought there was something wrong with me, like I was a pussy or like, I shouldn't need that. Or like, you know, it would be gay or something to, to do that. Like, then I would be depriving myself from something that really nourishes me, you know? And, and I think like as guys, it's worth having that understanding of, you know, I think it's masculine to take responsibility for your life and it's human, right? Humanistic to try to understand who we are without judgment. Um, Cause it is kind of random, right? Or at the very least very hard to trace where and why those things might've come from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, identifying, um, when the behaviors that you think are coping behaviors might be negative. Right. And mm -hmm. I still run into this to this day, right. Yeah. I'm somebody who likes to be busy. Um, and I, I, I tried to do a really good job balancing my life. Right. Okay. I sleep my eight hours a day and I, you know, I eat healthy and I work out and I do these things, but then I have all these hobbies. Right. And I'm married and I have a social life. Right. And once in a while, my wife says, listen, you gotta, you gotta take a break, you know, cause I haven't, I haven't seen you in a while. Cause you've been doing all this stuff. You know, there's that, then there is that part of you that goes, yeah, but this is the stuff that like, this is the stuff that makes me who I am, you know, mm -hmm. and you have to, you have to realize, well, no, like being a husband is part of what makes me who I am as well. Right. Um, and you, ha I have a responsibility there. So yeah, responsibilities span the gamut from, you know, your job or from the big things that we consider masculine all the way down to taking care of yourself, taking care of your, of your relationships. All of those different things are, are part of being a, a man. Yeah. And that's a bigger topic. Maybe we'll talk about it in our final segment, but this idea of relationships, I think men are being called in my opinion to step up more in relationships, right? Because of all the wonderful things that feminist movement have done for women, right? They, they don't need us in the same way and we can't get away with just being the, the paycheck or the breadwinner. And I think for men, for most men, whether it's biological or conditioned or whatever, right? And hard to tell, it's more difficult for us, I think, to, to show up in a relationship in the way that we need to now you know i think that that is a big call to action for men i'm curious if you agree with that or what do you think about that idea yeah yeah i think that it's i think it's really easy to not care and but i think that that's the last thing that's needed and i think that it sort of ties in with what we've been talking about it's not resilient it's not strong hmm. it's not the things it's not masculine right um but it but it's it's easier to avoid those issues and and just not not act like you don't care yeah. So I think that's a great topic to kick off our next segment with. Um, so if you're listening, uh, we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break where we'll talk about masculinity in relationship. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, Loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing, 
Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. A man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Or send an email podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Um, talking to Joel Bouchard about masculinity and about masculinity in relationship. And we were chatting in our last segment about how I think men are really being called to step up in a relationship with our romantic partners, um, you know, men, women, whoever. And I think also as fathers, I didn't mention that in the last one, but I think as fathers, the male role is expanding, you know, and I, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I, I think it's intimidating for some men that we now we have to do more than just be the breadwinner, you know, just be the provider and just be like the guy that just goes to the game, right? Like, I think we're being asked to be more than just present. You know, I think we're being asked to be more emotionally connected um, and just more aware. Um, so I'm curious for you, you said you were married. Um, what's your journey with that been to kind of show up more in a relationship? Yeah, this is something that I, you know, I struggle with every day, you know, um, maybe, maybe more than anything else, right? Um, you know, I, I, I'm an expert learner, right? So I would like love picking up new stuff and uh, figuring it out and getting pretty proficient in it. Um, but like we talked about at the beginning, I, I'm an introvert and uh, I've got a lot of hobbies and uh, just a lot of things going on. So when it comes to, to trying to establish um, relationships, especially close relationships, I struggle to the point where my friends affectionately refer to me as the robot, <laughs> just the guy that is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty flat and stuff. But um yeah, I've been, I've been married for, you know, 12 and a half years. Um, and we were together for, for five years before that. So, you know, going on 20 years, great relationship. I love my wife. Um, she loves me. She's my polar opposite, very extroverted and, uh, bright and sparkly and loud. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's something that, that we've, we've struggled from time to time where, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm busy doing what I'm doing and she's busy trying to set up plans or, or trying to plan vacations or trying to do things. And, and every once in a while she'll say, you know, I would just like you to, to, you know, not even help, just have an opinion, right. Just to, to show some input, put it, put forth some effort. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in those moments, that's where you realize, yeah, I'm not doing enough here. You know, I've, I've got to, I've got to, um, put some effort into this the same way that I do everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a common struggle. I mean, I struggle with, with my fiance in the same way. I, I think a lot of men struggle with this because at least one thing I've heard from a lot of clients that I've worked with a kind of a pet theory I'm working on is I think we, you know, as men, we bond through shared goals and objectives, right? Like, like we bond through doing a project together through accomplishing a mission, whether that mission is a military exercise or a hike, right. Or, you know, a vacation or a kayaking trip, whatever, right. Like we really bond through a third party through some kind of external goal, right. And a very linear way of bonding. Whereas I think more feminine people, and again, to be really clear, like you can have feminine men and masculine women, you know, gender and sex are not connected. We've learned that in the modern era, but I think the more feminine energy is, it's more direct, right? It's like, it's more directly connecting. It's really fluid and it bonds through emotional journeys. It bonds through this idea of, Hey, can you be with me when I'm sad? Can you be with me when I'm angry? Can you be with me when I'm happy? Can you be with me when I'm, you know, sexually turned on, right? Like all the different data points, all the different, like the whole spectrum, right? The feminine really wants to feel connected in all of those. Whereas I think as men, right? Like we want to connect in victory almost exclusively, right? We want to accomplish something together and to get to victory, we go through challenge and we bond through challenge. We're much, we're, we're simpler in a lot of ways, you know? So it, it can be difficult to connect to the feminine because, you know, we don't like those other types of emotions. We don't like feeling angry. We don't like feeling sad. We don't like feeling lonely. You know, we don't want to connect in that. We want to kill that and get back to feeling victorious. Um, yeah. So I think it's a really common, really common, um, you know, male, female uh, dynamic that happens. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the show, like, um, from a Buddhist mindset or from a mindfulness mindset, right. Um, there might even be a bit of not denial of the emotions themselves, but, but a stripping of their power. Right. So if I'm, if I'm trying to develop a mindfulness, uh, mindset, um, I think some of the traps I fall into as a man are, are saying, okay, well, um, it, it's sort of stoic in the, in the sense that, okay, well, I'm just not going to succumb to sadness or to, mm-hmm. you know, depression or these sorts of things rather than, um, confronting them and sort of realizing what the feeling is and, and, and getting over, which is, which is a healthy way of engaging with the emotion. Um, and so I carry that over with my other relationships, right? I go, oh, well, because I'm denying sadness or, or anger or frustration, um, you should just deny that it exists too. Right. And that's, it's just not the way that it is. Um, so yeah, I think that that's where a big struggle comes in, especially, um, depending on your personality, right. It's regardless of, of gender or sex, but, but my personal disposition is to compartmentalize and to sort of shrug off negative feelings. And, um, sometimes that's not what, what you need to connect with people. 
Right. I think people sometimes just want to feel it together, right? Mm. Rather than um, having it be solved, which is tough because some people, like I think more masculine presenting people want it to be solved, right? We want to be like, okay, what do I do? How do I handle this? How do I go back to having fun? You know, how do I go back to being happy and going back to the status quo? Um, and, and it's difficult. And, and I think like, you know, I guess a little... Uh, soapbox here, I think for for our female or feminine listeners, it's like I think for a lot of men, what we don't tell the women in our lives is that that type of bonding is not natural for us and it takes work, right? Because I think guys, like, we can get burnt out on that. You know, we, we do it and we should do it and we do it for the women in our lives, but oftentimes we get it takes an emotional toll, whereas a more feminine presenting person, I think, gets charged up and connected and really fed by that, and that's why we're doing it. I think a more masculine presenting person um, can get really drained. And, you know, where I've seen relationships also fall apart is the guy that isn't honest about what that costs and they end up building up resentments or they end up, you know, being the nice guy, right? Just kind of always saying yes or always like just showing up, showing up, showing up until one day they don't, right? Either have like an anger explosion or they just like leave in the night or something, you know? Um, because I, I think it, I think open communication is critical. We need to accept that we're different, again, equal, but different um, and say like, hey, this might be natural for you, but it's not for me. And, and I'm doing it as a gift, right? Like, this is me showing up for you in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely that guy. And luckily my, my wife is perceptive enough to, to realize it because I would never say it, right. That's a, that's a flaw that I have, but you know, she, you know, she'll come home and she'll, she'll tell me all about work or whatever. Right. And yeah, it's exactly like you, you described, I get really drained. And then at the end she'll say, yeah, sorry about all that. And I'll say, Oh, it's okay. Right. You know, yeah, you're just trying to calm, tough, right? tough your way through it. Right. Yeah. But after a while, she starts to realize, uh, no, it's not okay. You know, like it's, it's, I, I understand that it's difficult. I'll try to keep it to things that, that are important, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And, and then, so she was able to open a line of communication and then we were able to, to talk about it and come to an agreement on what the best way of handling it is. But mm -hmm. no, yeah, I totally agree with what you're, you're saying there. Yeah. And it's super common. Right. I think by like, telling your wife that right you're able to like open up and she knows you better you know because again like people only know what's in their own head until they hear it from somebody else um i'm curious do you have children i know you said you're married but do you have kids no 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 kids for us okay yeah i was curious about about fatherhood i'm curious if you have any ideas about fatherhood or about mentorship or about this kind of other part of masculinity that i think again we're being called to lead in a more personal way you know in a more loving familial way yeah. You know, um, it's interesting. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I had a complicated relationship with my dad, you know, where mm -hmm. we we're very different, but at the same time, I, I do think he was, he was very good. And, um, you know, I've got nieces and nephews and, and friends with kids and, um, I've had, you know, my co-host on my podcast is, is a mentor to me, a father figure. And, um, you know, there's, I joined the army a little bit later in life. So there's some guys that I'm sort of a, a father figure to, I think mentorship is a huge, um, part of, of masculinity. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the, the men that I've seen have a figure and, and the ones who are successful certainly have figures. Um, but it's difficult, right? Because in the modern age, masculine or not, there's not really a space where, uh, people interact in an intimate way across age ranges. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me to have, um, in older people, you know, older men that, that can mentor me is great for me to have younger guys that I can interact with and that I can help 
guide them through some of their struggles and they can help sort of keep me engaged um, in life. It, it's really important. And it's something that I think that might be one of the bigger problems that men struggle with today is not having anybody outside their own age group to, to either um, guide them through the struggles they're facing or keep them engaged in, in some of the, uh, the other aspects of life. Yeah, I, I agree completely, you know, and I think as men, we're being called and we should be called to be more nurturing, you know, but I do think masculine nurturing and masculine love looks different than feminine love. And I don't think there's really enough out there teaching guys how to do it. You know, I think there's a, a ton of great stuff on mothering and on, you know, our traditional definitions of love, I think are more feminine. But when I think of masculine love, and I'm curious your thought about this theory is it's this idea of both setting the challenge and then coaching the guy to get there. So you're kind of both like, you know, you're both like the drill sergeant, right? And the cheerleader at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah. And I see that a lot um, in in my interactions, right? Is this, uh, like you said, it, it, there's it's challenge, right? And I think the challenge has a negative connotation associated with it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think challenge is different from competition, right? You can... You can challenge somebody and then collaborate with them on the goal, which is what me and my co-hosts do on our podcast every week, right? Um, we bring up these philosophical concepts that we talk about, and we don't always agree on things. And when we don't, you know, we'll call the other guy out and he'll think about it. And then he'll either, you know, give a reason why his position was right, or he'll rethink it and agree with what I said. And then he'll propose something new. And it's a back and forth. And like it was you are mentioning earlier in the show, it's usually based around achieving some goal, right? You know, you're, you have a thing that you're trying to accomplish a mission you're trying to accomplish and you're sort of challenging each other to take the next step to get there. I think that is what a lot of men's relationships look like in terms of mentoring and in terms of, um, you know, um, nurturing each other. Yeah. And I think there's this level of, you know, more male intimacy of knowing the right levels of challenge. You know, if, if you really know your mentor or your mentee, you know what their capacity is and you're able to kind of design a challenge that is just at the edge, right? Kind of saying earlier, right? Where they fail 30% of the time, where it's like just at the edge, but it doesn't inspire growth. And I think that is a really beautiful gift that we can give to other men in our lives is helping them grow, right? Just that inch at a time. Yeah. And finding the way to do that, um, based off the individual, right? Because mm -hmm. like we are talking about, there's guys that are more masculine guys that are more feminine or sensitive, that, that type of thing. And, um, you know, just never, never challenging in such a way that, that it encourages the toxic behaviors, right. You, you, but, but in ways that help, help men grow together, you know, I think that that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So we're moving towards the end of our show. It's been a great conversation. It went by super fast. I'm curious as kind of like a last message, is there anything you want to say to some of our listeners that are maybe, you know, connected with what you're talking about, right? Or, or want to develop masculinity or want to work on growing? Um, what's something that they can take away with them? Yeah, I think that, you know, what it boils down to is what we talked about earlier in the show. You know, it's that it's the development of humility, right? Because out of humility is really where the strength and resilience that we've been talking about through the episode comes from, right? It all ties together. And so, you know, being willing to, to admit that you don't have all the answers or that you're not the best at something, that's the way that you start to find answers and you start to become better at something, right? That's So that's the way you become a man is by admitting that the things that you don't have and, and having a game plan, how to get there, you know? 
I think that's great. Yeah. It's like taking responsibility for everything in your life. Right. And being like, I'm going to grow, I'm going to become better. Um, so Joel has been fantastic. Uh, where can people learn more about you and see your podcast and your music? Yeah. So, um, the podcast is from nowhere to nothing. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, it's hosted at Podbean. Um, you can find my music just by searching my name, Joel Bouchard. Uh, my most recent album is, um, all we are, uh, but there's a few other things that are online and, uh, yeah, for now that's pretty much it. Awesome. Fantastic. And those links will be in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, so thank you again for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Another episode of men's therapy podcast. Thank you for joining your host, Mark Agile on the men's therapy podcast. Be sure to tune in again live next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time and 11 a.m. Pacific time on the voice America health and wellness channel and anywhere podcasts are found. To support the show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information or to apply to be a guest, visit www.menstherapypodcast.com.